Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today we continue our Boys in the Band series. And we have um, one of Satsung's three guitar players, Stefan Kalander. Stefan is a good old southern boy. He's the funniest bitch that I've ever met in my entire life. Um, very unique approach to the guitar. We kind of dive in on that. It's essentially just two music nerds talking about great records. Um, so if you don't like uh, music chat, probably not the podcast for you. But if you like talking about, uh, you know, really cool rock and roll and funk music and, um, you know, shit like that, this is your episode. Um, this episode and all episodes of the podcast are brought to you by the good folks at Onnit. If you go to onnit.com and you use code SATSUNG, you're going to get yourself a nice little discount on whatever supplement your little heart desires. Um, as always, I recommend the Total Human. Um, they make so many amazing supplements, and prior to using the Total Human, I used to buy all these things differently. And then you got fucking 10 pill bottles, and I would separate them into my own, uh, you know, little pill dividers. Um, and then... After the sponsorship happened, I, I got hip to the Total Human, and now I take it every single day, and I'm going to pull mine out of my fanny pack and take it as soon as I'm done talking here. Um, but it's all their flagship supplements. Um, like I've said before, you know, I've been taking it for about six months now. I got my blood work done a little while back, and it looked flawless. So the proof is in the pudding, or in this case, the blood. Head to onnit.com, use code SATSUNG at checkout. Um, yeah, without further ado, y'all, here's Stefan. How did those shows go? They were good, dude. We're fucking recording, hey, dude. The- welcome, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, Stefan. Yeah, dude. Pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Excited to be here. Yeah, dude. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you. You're one of my favorite people on the planet to talk to. So uh, I'm excited to see where we end like, up here. Like a level two van talk. Right Total. <laughs> yeah, dude. Slightly yeah. um, more. Um, those shows were good, man, but. You know, the one thing that's really hard, Bozeman was probably my favorite because it's, um, it is a like curated listening room. So it's like 75 people, Bose, like specially designed, designed the sound system in that room for acoustic shows. Um, and before you go out, um, they kind of come give like the lay of the land and they're just like, okay, hey, there's no talking. If you're talking while they're playing, you'll be asked to leave. Um, yeah. so it's like a super focused vibe. Whereas playing a brewery and feelings, everyone is like, um, kiss my ass. Uh, we're all going to be talking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So that was a little rough. Yeah. Especially for Parker because he wasn't running ears um and yeah the people in billings were so loud that he couldn't even hear himself uh and i'm sure but, it's like he knows so many people so they're all like yelling at him and you know trying to engage with him and being drunk and like oh yeah man you're sounding great yeah Which dude great, I, but I, I never would have thought that uh ultimate frisbee frisbee players would be more unruly than drunk professional fighters but it turns out they are <laughs> it makes they're you know that you're not seeing them right after a match so they haven't got all that aggression out and energy you know they're just fully wired up after beer and sediment total you know? total <laughs> um, but it was fun you know i mean there's still nothing 
you know, like I've said before, man, you know, the solo shows, um, while advantageous for making up money lost, um, and, and special in their own way, you know, I've had a couple of really special ones. There's, um, you know, there's just nothing like, um, there's nothing like the full band shows, you know, cause there's just yeah. no, no question that they're going to absolutely fucking slam. Um, you know, the other thing that was a trip dude, cause you joined, um, you know, before Greg had really any responsibility besides just doing merch. Um, and before we had right. a sound guy, you know, what was a fucking absolute slap in the face on this little run was like, I've become kind of fucking spoiled. You know, like, <laughs> like even just remembering to get paid at one point, I like that first show, I like opened my pedal board and was like, oh, fuck, man. I don't know if I remember how all this, yeah, how all this right. goes, it, you know? Um, we yeah. And, and just how badass Jono and Greg are and how easy they kind of make our lives out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Greg literally handles every correspondence the minute we get there it's like that is so crucial because it's you know coming out of the van for obviously we 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 can be chill and, and civil and everything usually but it's like you're not always trying to just get straight out and just immediately start dealing with business and you know what i mean all that those kind of conversations it's such a makes it so much more relaxed to just chill yeah and and to just be able like if it's not a question about one of our instruments or something that like directly pertains to us, they're like, I don't know, ask Greg. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you because, um, you know, what was really cool with Ben having him on is we've had some of the conversation before, but to really dig into, um, you know, I think each musician has their own very unique journey with, um picking an instrument um what about that instrument drew them to it you know and and ultimately you have to be a fucking psychopath to say like okay i'm gonna play an instrument for my life that's what i'm going to do is i'm gonna pick <laughs> pick an instrument and that's what i'm gonna do yeah yeah for sure but we've talked about that a lot and i think that's i i already know we're gonna get into it but it's just like it becomes aware i mean when you're younger you know what i mean you don't have like a full realization of what grown-up is you know what i mean in life and everything and it's like we've talked about that like even with student loans and stuff it's like oh yeah well like i got eighteen thousand dollars or whatever like if i make fifty thousand a year i just pay those off and it's like no <laughs> dude you don't it's <laughs> not how that works at all you know when you get when you get older but you know you kind of go into it because it pulls you for whatever reason and then like people like us and and a lot of people, even people that don't necessarily do it full time, but have been affected on such a deep level. Like, it's just, it's just a life, you know what I mean? Like, it's the, it's the thing that you have to do, uh, regardless that, you know, that we do. And like, like you said, we talked about in the last, last two or two, and you're like, you know, when everything doesn't make sense, it still makes sense. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, yeah, I can't, can't not do it, you know, even though the list is like this long and the pros are like, I like this shit yeah you know <laughs> totally well it's um you know the thing that's that uh we've always joked you know that that touring is a lot like like being a heroin addict is because you can have days where you're um you're super homesick 
you know, financial stress, like we all have our own lives that are happening outside of the the van. And then you play the show and you're like, nope, it's great, dude. There's literally nothing better than this. And, uh, you know, I'll wake up with the shakes tomorrow, but uh, around nine o'clock we'll get her fixed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. man. I mean, it, it really is that like, I, I don't know. And I, I think that some, I've talked to some people that don't like always have that same attitude about the show every day. You know what I mean? Like they do very get in this like burdensome, like uh, sort of routine of, of the touring and the gigs and stuff. And it's like, I so fortunate that like none of our camp is like that. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, I think it's, it just makes everything so much easier throughout the day and what we're doing. And obviously like some days are awesome and you have a joyous sandwich and the whole day is going to be fantastic. Like no matter what, but right. some days we're, as you know, because you're the one driving and stuff too, you do eight or nine hours and don't have any significant food and then get to the venue. And it's like, well, at least we're, we get to play, you know, tonight and, and do what we're doing. And, you know, there's nothing better than it. So yeah, you know what's the killer for me is if we go to the hotel before the show, then I don't want to play. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I Shuts lay down them. on a bed and I'm watching fucking live <laughs> PD, I don't want to leave the room, you know? Yeah. But yeah. as long as we're in the venue, um, you know, I can hear the house music on. You start to hear people filling in. It just kind of keeps this steady drip of excitement where you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to fucking rage. And, and two, man, you know, one thing that you've played a huge role in for me is I, you know, I demand a lot um, from myself and, and I, and I get very frustrated when things aren't growing at the pace that I, that I want them to. And you've always been a really good, um, really good at reminding me that like, dude, you know, 250, 300 people anywhere is really fucking great. So. Poor man. Yeah, you know, I, I, for, I forget how special that is, you know. Right, right. Well, and I think we get we get conditioned too, since we are like, since this is all we do. You know, we're only musicians. Like that that path to whatever that you know ultimate uh, financial stability or like you know my life is handled and I don't have to think about continuously growing something. You know what I mean? Is is those multi thousand person rooms on a consistent basis? So it's very easy to kind of like flow into that state and, and, and kind of mindset with just society and everything and reality and you're providing for kids and, you know, everything else like that. It's like, Oh yeah, no, this is really what it is. But, you know, we said it a million times, but like it, it, I think about how hard it is to even get like, you have car events, like car shows or something like that. And you get like 200 people there, you know what I mean? In like a whole city of like this whole massive community, you know what I mean? Let alone 300 people to go support some music you know what i mean and some yeah. art that is is you know i mean i don't know if it's less mainstream everybody likes it but i'm just saying it tends to be harder to get people to go out to concerts and support and things like that you know so uh, well because well, i mean the, it's happening fucking four or five days a week every, in every city everywhere you go yeah, yeah. you know and some of these that's like the problem with with Asheville, which is why it's so cool that we do so well there every time is like they're they have you know 10 shows a night pretty much any night of the week all killer stuff for most of the you know for the most part so then yeah you do have the people there that i've talked to friends and everything like that that are like oh yeah sometimes there'll be dope shows going on but i just i'm just not gonna go because i know i'm gonna see three other nights of music like through the rest of this week so um so it's cool yeah to, to 
to see it kind of going like that. But that's part of my, I, I tell you that and why I love playing with you and being a part of Satsung and everything too, is like, it's not just like going out and being like, all right guys, we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to get you laid. And like, it's going to yep. be fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, it's really like, even if whatever, there's a hundred people there and it's a slow night, like, you know, the lyrics are communicating to people, the music is communicating to people. It's getting the thing to, to, to themselves on a deeper level. And, um, you know, as I've said to, to you, it's like, I have that attitude with playing in church every week and with all of my gigs, like it's all a facilitation of like a worship experience, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's, it's very satisfying for, for me in the, in my own selfish way to be a part of it and to be able to do that with you guys, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a special band in the way that, you know, I felt like spring tour, man, I was coming out of a pretty deep depression. Like when I was in, um, you know, I don't think I've ever been like, um, depressed, depressed, you know, I've, yeah, I've had, and when I was in California, um, in March, I, uh, God damn, I was struggling, man. I, um, I not only didn't want to be playing music, but I just, I didn't want to be home. I didn't want to be on the road. I just couldn't really find any sort of homeostasis. I didn't want to train. Um, and going into spring tour, um, it really helped having all of you guys around. It made me um, a lot more happy to be there, I guess. And it, uh, you know, like you were saying, you know, that we, what, I think the only like off night of the tour was in Philadelphia. We had 111 people. Um, and I was pretty great. We had barbacoa earlier. So we were still, yeah. Yeah. Well, what was wild was I, um, I, I feel like God does this to me often, you know, when I'm at like these, these weird points, I was, I was pretty, pretty upset with the turnout of that show. And, um, you know, when I was doing the like little meet and greet after the show, um, I met two different people that had driven over 10 hours to come to the show. Um, and then I met this fucking kid, dude, that was absolutely in tears um, that he was meeting me and he was freaking out. And then I had this moment with him where I kind of like calmed him down and helped him gather himself and just kind of was like, dude, just a dude. We're just dudes. We have different things. Um but I really could, I could tell he was, he was rather fucked up about the whole thing. So I, so I really just made it a point to kind of hang with him for five minutes, you know, and, and he wrote this, you know, thousand word post and, and posted it in the Satsung movement group um, a few weeks ago. And it just like wrecked my whole shit was like, dude, even if we just would have played the show for that kid, you know, like the fact that that was such a fucking deal for him. You know, um, it just puts it in perspective, you know, like what a, what a special thing it is. And, and like I've said a million times, you know, whether it's Francie or uh, or Mark from OAR, I, you know, I have friends that have sold out MSG that all say the same thing. It's like, dude, zero to 100 people, fucking impossible, never going to happen for your band. A thousand, yeah. you know, 100 to 1,000 or 100 to 10,000, probable, probably going to happen, yeah. you know? Yeah and is i mean once you just start to have it like we're talking about just people sacrificing their time and their you know their lives to go and support because it means something to them in that regard it's like oh yeah well i know something's here because there are a lot more people that haven't heard it that you know even if we get less than one percent of all of those people that's still a lot of folks <laughs> you know and that's the reality of, of situation then i mean 
I think what we're kind of seeing, we talk about it all the time, but like the way that, you know, not to sound like an old head or whatever, but like the world and society is moving and the, the tensions and stressors and, and the currently the financial stuff with everything getting more expensive and whatnot, you know, it's like art just continues to, and, and music have, have a role that is, you know, necessary uh, and becomes more and more, you know, needed and, and intentional which is which is great i mean it just kind of even though it doesn't get easier as far as like oh yeah it'd be nice to just have five hundred thousand dollars a year coming in or whatever you know what i mean but it's like yeah at the same time and i don't know if that would give the same sort of you know life purpose and feeling and value as far as what we do now and, and being able to provide that for others and try to facilitate a more you know unified community and society too yeah well There's what's a trip too is you know um when we were in dc i talked to trevor for like 90 minutes and he was just like you know i kind of i had this big aha right of like uh you know the obstacles aren't going anywhere they just change costumes because you know trevor's like yeah dude well eventually you'll get very used to playing for 2000 people and then 950 people show up and it's a 2000 cap room and you're like oh fuck man and you completely have lost the scope that 950 people came to see you that night where you're like yeah dude well the room fits 2000 you know yeah Yeah. so it's like it's it it never stops or you know i'm sure how many bands have played msg and been like oh shit okay here it goes you know and then yeah they sell they don't sell it out there's a thousand people that don't come and they're just like oh fuck it's like yeah dude well your name's still on the marquee at fucking msg dude it's still sweet too. I think it's like being able to, to taste those crowds and, you know, I'm, I've had the pleasure. I mean, I guess I, I, probably the biggest show that I've ever played, I guess was, was Red Rocks with us, I think is probably the most amount of people that I've ever played for. And, um, you know, just having those tastes too. It's like, again, perspective and then like an overall general sense of calm then that that starts to come with with audiences of of growing size you know what i mean which is just like i think is crucial not for a while when i was growing up i thought it was more personal right it's like oh i just want to be i want to be comfortable i don't want to be nervous blah blah blah, all that sort of thing but it's like well no i don't want to be those things but it's because i don't want to be that for you you know what i mean for the for you the audience you know what i mean like and for you the the people like you guys that came to to and deserve this true form of us as artists, you know what I mean? And, and just being able to give what you came for and the best version of that to kind of, you know, experience together and cleanse together and in worship together and everything else. So, you know, being able to kind of have that taper, you know what I mean? I think is just awesome. And, and I've seen it with us, even though over far, fall tour after all of that, it was like, we were crushing, <laughs> you know, I think partly Hard. just because we had done a lot of those big shows earlier in the year and then we're just like very relaxed and in tune with the audience and the people and each other. And it wasn't any sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's cool to see how that aspect of things and, and even not in us, but just seeing other, other artists, how they've grown and, and people that we like to listen to. And you just start to see them actualize themselves in such a real way through, through those connections on deeper love on with, with bigger groups of people. So so yeah, yeah man, and, it's, it's a- and what's another funny perspective too is you know i think we all um think our favorite artists are bigger than they are you know like 
the amount of times people been like, what the fuck you guys travel in a van? Like I thought for sure you had a bus and, um, and same thing, you know, I thought, I just assumed that Brent Cobb was huge, <laughs> you know, the amount of like songwriters that I look to and I'm just like, God damn son, you were the fucking man. And then to find right. out like, no, they do, you know, they do. Okay about as well yep. as we do and then not as well in other places yeah well and that's a i think you we just see even more so than than ever before just all the highlight moments you know and it's like even the shows that people only have 100 folks in the audience all of the media and everything that they put out there and stuff you know i'm guilty of it. i've done it before too is like great angles that make it look like a bitchin show that you know everything else the the you know the audio's killing and stuff like that so it's it you know it's like no we're, we're all just kind of doing this thing and and at the same time it's like it's a blessing to, to have anybody there you know and and be able to connect with them i i speaking of brent Cobb, that made me think the about the new paul cawthon uh record <laughs> dude it's smacking man i've listened to it a couple times it's pretty funny i, I was i was showing a friend too like we were hanging out and and her and i were just kind of like you know, putting on music back and forth and everything and she had what was what was it that she had uh it was like on the verge of of some country stuff and i was like you know this guy and threw on cocaine country dancing and then country as fuck and she was just like my god yeah <laughs> yeah this is this is modern this is heavy yeah he's wonder, got a he's got you know i, I think I think the style, you know, like I love when someone has like a a style that's just like so like you can hear eight bars from a song and be like, oh, that's that fucking guy. Um, and he just has this like dirty country thing mixed with like cocaine David Bowie. It's just like <laughs> right. so noticeable. That's just like, oh, yeah, that's Paul Cawthon for sure. You know, and then he just has that fucking Las Vegas voice yeah that voice is insane dude it's just like hits notes and octaves and frequencies you're just like oh okay well yeah you can say whatever you want and people will listen because <laughs> that's not normal it would be hilarious he, like i i think i texted you he's playing woolies i would yeah. be unbelievable see him there <laughs> yeah great yeah and i and you know, I just, um, it, it's cool seeing too, like just underground original shit popping off, you know, like Zach Bryan is, is this kid that I just, I'm so yeah. blown away by because he completely fucking shattered what we thought, you know, the amount of time I was talking to, to Mark uh, from OAR about this this morning is like the amount of time that I spent uh with all right now being like okay we need this really high grade content and this and this and then you watch this fucking kid posting iphone videos of him playing songs in his backyard drinking beer get millions and millions <laughs> of views and then him doing living room recordings for his first two albums that have millions and millions of streams and then you know he just he posted a video the other day of him playing some festival in Alabama in front of 10,000 people and they sang the whole fucking song, you know, it's just like, yeah. Whoa, it, the, we're, we're just at, I think at a really cool time in the industry where the power has been taken, you know, where it used to be kind of held by seven people that own these different conglomerates. Now it's just like, yeah, well, there's really no fucking rules anymore. No, not at all. I mean, cause that's what you, you can't, 
control everything, you know? I mean, the way that the internet and, and you know, just information in general is, you can't, you can't restrict anybody from anything uh, or control the, I should say, control the flow of how it gets to people, you know? Obviously, because even the main radio stations and everything like that, like, yeah, you'll just have your kind of radio bands and your pop acts that will get pushed by, you know, the record labels and certain companies or people will be popular, will do arenas, everything else like that. But uh, then you also just have the people are going to are going to search for what they want and they're going to be able to find it because it's getting so much more popular. And now people don't don't struggle with, you know, searching for things. It's like, oh, yeah, I can just a go to Spotify and have these curated playlists of discover and everything else. That's like the lowest hanging fruit. And then, you know, from there, Pandora, everything else, you know, looking through um, which I'm gonna call it. Sorry, I just got bit by a freaking huge mosquito. Distracted me. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, it, and actual audio files too that you know can just look through all the you know blogs, internet, and actually get all of these different you know recordings of people that take it seriously. I think it's it enables so many more niches of uh, of music and music lovers and stuff too, which is cool to see see happen i mean even just the whole we've talked about it the the lo-fi situation it's like now people don't even like (laughs) listen to like artists they're just like oh i just listen to lo-fi and just like put you know don't know anybody or the creators of what they're listening to but they're just listening to a vibe you know yeah that's a that's a wild thing you know i had made this little thing um this thing for this outro you know aubrey marcus is doing the outro for the new record so i i I had tracked this little instrumental thing and I sent it to Matt and he was just like, whoa, dude, like this is literally like sitting by a river on a summer day reading a book. And he was like, you know, and he was saying that, that like that um, mood listening is like the fastest growing genre in the world right now. Yeah. It was like, you know, if you made an instrumental record that was just like sitting by a river, he's like, it might fucking blow up, (laughs) you know, no words. Like, Dude, I mean, that's, that's even, it's funny because that's for me personally, like just like some of the music that I've been working on, it's, it's been like the heavy rock stuff that I've been doing. And then the, and then the whole other side has just been like, you know, I've, I've been doing solo gigs for, I mean, over a decade and stuff like that. And so many just different kind of instrumental beats while I'm doing the gigs, loops and things like that, things I'm writing at home. And, and I'm finally just starting to get to, okay, I'm just going to like some, take some of my favorites and everything, start to actually track them. And it is like, I was just thinking about that this weekend. It's like, it pretty much is that it's just kind of like, oh, you know what? I'm really just kind of going favorites. Yes. But also this cohesive vibe of like, you know, kind of have like a, a night music, writing music kind of, you know, situation. Cause I think, Hey, that's sort of what I just default into a lot of times when I'm making those sorts of things, instrumental beat type of stuff. But, um, yeah. but yeah, been just listening to it. It's like, how often do you go and just put on like Dilla or something like that, or like Nas instrumentals or Pete instrumentals or whatever, which is kind of just, kind of just the OG version of that. You know what I mean? It's just that, that sort of mood, obviously it goes a lot farther back. I would say. Yeah. I wish, I wish people knew, uh, you know, yeah. Cause like, you know, for me, like I think in, um, in Cincinnati, when I was buying all the flights and doing all this financial shit, I literally was about to fucking implode. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to hit my hash pen and put on Pete rock and we're going to settle <laughs> right. into this. Like, 
and and I did, you know, and it's 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 amazing how, um, you know, yeah, there's something about like uh, '90s boom bap instrumentals that will just, boom, yeah. the rest of the world's dead. I'm focused. I'm not stressed. It's fine. We're just gonna sift through all of this, you know. Yeah, and and it's so cool too because it's like it for me, and I know for you because you're such a hip hop head too. Is like every region from that era too. It's like has its own vibe obviously but is just applicable in what in whatever personal scenario that you that you need it you know so it's like oh yeah it might be pete rock and like tribe instrumentals in new york kind of vibe you know what i mean or i might need some more of like kind of that battle cat you know um what's the name studio tone studio ton kind of producer stuff or in the south like i've, I've recently found a instrumental version of southern playlistic um, which was because I that's one of my favorite records as far as rap and hip hop. So it's it yeah, dude. That era is just so so real. I wish we would kind of move more back into and and it, it exists still, but like in a modern or or I should say a uh, a popular sense, you know, kind of have more of that enlightenment in the in the hip hop and rap community come to the forefront again. Because it's just like there's so many artists with so much to say, you know, that yeah, that can put it over music and have such a platform you know and uh and some do and it's fantastic but it's like man if that could just be the norm again you think about like back in the day with like you know native tongues and and some village and like all that sort of stuff too it's just like speaking speaking truth and and uplifting and inspiring yeah, and like you're saying there was there was so many like different vibes you know cold and Colden has been getting really into hip hop and not, and not just listening to it, but he wants to know the stories. You know, he wants to, um, he said, uh, this whole thing started a few months ago because he's been lifting a lot. He's put on a bunch of weight and he's a little ripped boy now. And, um, but he goes, you know, oh, well, who, who shot you is like, that's like one of the hardest songs of all time. I said, nah, homie, hit him up <laughs> is the hardest yeah. diss track of all time. And then and then told him the whole story of how, you know, like Tupac got shot and then Biggie dropped that song. So that's what ignited this whole thing. Um, and then telling him about uh, Nas is my favorite of all time. Uh, comment, comment in a close second. But uh, he, we, we got into this conversation about diss tracks uh, and I showed him Ether, you know, by Nas. And he was just like, what the fuck dude i was like yeah bro like the 90s and early 2000s were different dude like if you had a problem with someone it was gonna get real public real quick and i i was just talking to to my friend about that to curtis about it because it it was funny too how like in like west coast you would just just say that shit and you would be like no i'm gonna kill you and your family like and and say slightly more you know articulate way but you know that's pretty much the thing whereas you know you go to new york or east coast and everything and you're spinning that into a poem about how you're gonna take down you know the the whole generational lineage of everything that's coming next and you're gonna dismantle them in and in you know what i mean all this, this different kind of artful way of putting it and it's like man just just the way that people diss each other and handle their business on on hip-hop you know in a regional fashion is just awesome you know yeah and then those those beautiful moments um you know when when those artists mature you know like Nas and Jay-Z when they released Black Republican together I remember just being like whoa how fucking cool 15 years of shit talking 
And now these yep. dudes are like, nah, fuck it, dude. Let's do a track together. It'll break the world. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's part of it's growing up, right? You know what I mean? It's like, even we can apply it to ourselves. It's like, we probably wanted to just do things ourselves for so long. And then you start to grow up. And you're like, actually, it's a lot better when you just collaborate. Yeah, I like doing my stuff and, and everything X, X, Y, and Z. But being able to share that with people is fantastic. But see, being able to overcome all of that, that's like the ultimate form of, of I, I think kind of the message of what hip hop can be and is, you know what I mean? As, as fun as every side of it can be, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and it's I think like, as no, you get older, man, you too, you don't have time for, uh, you know, you, you're always, for me anyway, I feel like I'm always in a path to kind of mitigate bullshit and whether that's external bullshit or the bullshit in my own thinking, it's like, um, you know, I don't want any problems. Um, you know, I just saw this this 50 cent quote the other day that I, that I loved. He goes, you know, I don't want any problems, but if you want a problem, no problem. You know, and yeah. I, like, that, that's where I'm at, man. I'm trying to raise my kids and, and build satsung and, and take care of all my guys. And, um, you know, I can get a little salty if I feel like someone's trying to fuck with that. But beyond that, man, I don't want any uh, mortal enemies. And And I think what was so scary in hip hop at that time was it was like, yeah dude cool diss track but like are you safe <laughs> if you cross the bridge now though like yeah. that's a that yeah. might be a problem <laughs> you know yeah. depending on how on how uh how direct you got you might not be safe in your own city you know right right where else but well, yeah well, dude i wanna i wanna i wanna dig in uh with you on uh on on how you found music you have such uh one of the most unique approaches to the guitar uh, that I've ever heard. And it, um, I think it really adds a, uh, a layer and a depth um, to the band that's really magic, particularly on All Right Now. Like I always say, there was so many, um, so many things like, like you were just saying about like working together. Uh, you, you and Ben, um, there were so many times in the record where I was like, I don't even know what could be added to this song or, mm -hmm. you know, like with Ben, a huge pivotal moment for me was, um, was Malachi. What I heard in my head was like a four on the floor and maybe a shaker. And then he busts right. out the most like technical Afro beat ever and was like, wow, <laughs> completely made the song. Um, <laughs> with you, there was two, um, two, two pivotal things. Um, one or three, I guess probably more than three, but the three that come to mind, the solo on um, on Further This Goes, I think is one of the, the coolest fucking guitar solos of all time. Um, the vibe that you brought to, uh, to answer was yes. Those swelly, chordy, it, it, it just made the song feel exactly how I wanted it to feel. This big, like open, vast expanse. Um, and then, um i'm the one i thought that shit was done i was like i don't yeah. there's not room for anything else in here i don't think and um the shit you added to to those songs in particular was was i think for me was when i really um started like trusting you and being like okay cool i'm gonna fucking try and take the leash off as much as i can and just see 
see what he does because this is insane right you know? and, I, and i feel like the making of that record was where i really went like oh this is the band like this is a fucking collection of some bad bad motherfuckers so like <laughs> yeah um so yeah, how did well, it, it, go ahead well no i was just gonna say that it was it, it, all of that you know especially those three specific examples well the solo i guess not quite as much i kind of had like a thought of the layout you know it's like kind of of how I can kind of build into it and whatnot but then obviously we just I was just like well I'm just gonna kind of cut it and feel it when we're when we're there in the environment and everything but um but when you send along all the demos it's like um I I don't know like I just sat down with them in in the basement and kind of went through and was kind of just you know demoing my parts to them and, and cutting to them and pretty much everything was like just the first thing that sort of came out when I was playing with them not to say that I was like being lazy with it, but it just like immediately presented itself, you know what I mean? And, and kind of fell in. Um, and there weren't too many, um, I'm trying to think of what, you know, I think on all right now, I kind of like experimented with some things just to see what would fit, but it's just like, no, this is just a rocking tune, you know what I mean? And just kind of keep everything going. But yeah, but like answer was yes and stuff. It was like, oh no, this is so, so emotional you know and so strong and kind of needs to that that sort of reinforcement um harmonically and, and texturally you know um but it's fun for me too i mean it it's great when you when you have keys and overdub them and have people join on the stuff but like as without keys too between i mean myself at the time and then now also with parker you know joining the fray on his instrument uh variety like it just allows us to be so creative you know in our textures and everything like that i loved that about making that record because it was like oh no i really can like be creative as a as a texture player as a as a um you know creator of parts not just guitar you know right. and so getting getting to work with you on it in that in that regard and kind of collaborate and and you trusted me like that and and us building that kind of rapport was was awesome part of that for me you know it was it wasn't just an album it was like a growth process between us and between individuals and and the whole band and and I, i've said it to you but i'll say it on record it was like i i've never i've played music all over the place and for many many years and i've never felt like such a connection between a place and the music you know as when we were there and and doing that on the ranch and recording those particular songs that you know for the most part you had written over COVID and, and in that land and everything else. And it was just like, just felt so, so natural and so, so unified, you know? Um, yeah. God bless, uh, God bless uh, Thomas and Bill at side one, you know, like dude, when that conversation started, yeah. it was like, yeah. okay, well there's this studio in LA that we have a relationship with, like they'd put you up, you know? And then it turned into like, okay, no, it has to be done in here. And um, also I need to buy this guitar and I won't take it out of the state until the album is done. <laughs> like I started right. getting so weird about shit, you know, where I was like, no, oh, yeah. dude, like we need to capture this space in this place. And uh, uh, can't can't do it any other way, man. I'm sorry. This is how it must be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it was so cool, too. Like, I think I told you, um, you know, the the full circle of that was the very last set that we played as a trio. Me, Ben and Carl was at this festival in Big Sky and, uh, and, and we got done and, and was sitting by the van smoking a joint and this old head came up and, 
we started talking about the dead and uh, he's a big Bobby fan. I'm a big Bobby fan. And we were just nerding out for like 45 minutes. And at the end he goes, you know, like, Hey man, this is my festival. I'm, and thank you so much for coming. Um, you know, we were by far the smallest band on that, that festival. I mean, the headliners were like Jason Isbell, uh, St. Paul and the broken bones and Mavis Staples, you know? Um, yeah. And what was funny was, uh, you know, through VRBO, when I booked that place, it ended up being that fucking guy. It was his house, the guy that ran that festival. Right. So he was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, you can make a record here. Like, hell yeah, dude, that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... So when did you start uh, When did you start playing and what was your first guitar? Um, I started when I was like 12, um, I believe. Yeah, a little, little before, but I kind of like bought my first guitar when I was 12, which was the... Um, that blue strap that I still play on a lot of, so a lot cool. of stuff. So yeah, man, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause um, you know, at that point, and you probably remember too, it was like, you had the Squire pack or you had like the Ibanez, like geo pack that everybody was getting. And I was in like, you know, middle school or early middle school at the time. Um, and so I was thinking about all that, but then I was like, no, like I kind of want, I would call it like a real guitar. I was like, no, I want a real guitar. Like, I don't want just the, you know, part of the beginner pack or whatever and um so yeah so I, that my little like you know 12 year old self was kind of set on that mode mode some yards all that good stuff you know 90s kids uh were doing and and funded it and then yeah I'm, i think it was kind of just a, a god thing because then you kind of fast forward to now and i still play it in so many circumstances i've upgraded it a bunch i mean it was what i played at red rocks uh, yep. with us so it was kind of cool to go from uh from the you know my childhood room and learning on it and everything to then the biggest you know stage that I've played in one of the coolest venues around the world so so that was fun but um but yeah and then um I've kind of moved through a couple now obviously now with us I'm playing the hollow body the Eastman hollow body and I think that's been great especially with the um, just the continued direction and and like I was saying earlier with Parker and stuff it just like tonally fits in in a, in a very cool way especially with the between the telly and the pedal steel and everything and, and your acoustics so um so i don't know for the foreseeable future that'll probably be the be the move i've, I've been playing it a lot at, at church too and um in a lot of contexts around here i've kind of re reacquainted myself with that girl and enjoyed it so yeah i uh i just popped off and um maxed out my third credit card we were in bozeman and I, and I went to uh well we went to fucking music villa which has the you know the largest gibson collection and uh in the fucking state and uh Did you the hummingbird i get this is now the fourth time that i've gone in thinking what? i was gonna get a hummingbird <laughs> and got something else no i got this uh this songwriter cutaway and i literally went in they had these guild 12 strings um, that are regarded as like the best fucking 12 string, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I played, I played three of them. And I mean, I was just like, yep, this is as good as a 12 string can sound. And they had this, this sunburst one with that Anthem pickup thing, which is in all of the Gibsons yeah. and it was five grand. And I was like, no, that's absolutely out of line. Like, there's no way I can <laughs> justify this. And it's like, okay, how often would I really play the 12 string? And then, um, right. he goes, you know, have you ever played a played a songwriter? And I was like, no, man, I've always looked at them. They're beautiful guitars, but no, I've never played one. And 
he brought this fucking thing in. <laughs> I just looked at Parker and was like, this is bullshit. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, now I have so dumb. But um, what was what was some of the first music? Like what what made you want to want to play the guitar? I know for me, it was, um, you know, especially just being drawn to the acoustic guitar, you know, American Beauty by the Grateful Dead. I just, I was so blown away at the, the layers and um, just how good guitars an acoustic guitar could sound you know so many of those songs right. are just, but what, what was it yeah. for you that you were like no nope, i want to play the electric guitar i want to play a strat well it's funny because i i would say like the i mean hendrix obviously i think was probably more of the the strat con connection i would i guess you know but like really it was kind of zeppelin and stuff early you know i was listening to i was kind of raised on you know zepp and cream and uh you know my dad loves ccr and chicago and all that stuff too moving moving a little bit further away from just the straight rock but um but zeppelin definitely like hit me real hard <laughs> at an early age i mean absolutely smacked um but i i also i mean my mom listens to a lot of uh you know r&b and jazz and stuff like that too and so it was like i kind of got the the earth wind and fire and you know, um, Bobby Womack kind of stuff. She likes Al Jarreau and she was like, developed a love for Al Jarreau early on. Earl Clue, who's like kind of a, well, he's a jazz guitar player, but um, but yeah, I kind of fell into all of that as well and was hearing all of that, you know. Um, and then kind of search, I think from, I don't even know, I guess kind of the Earth, Wind and Fire realm kind of put me into the, the P-Funk kind of kind of situation and and uh with the chili peppers because i kind of got into the chili peppers you know pretty early um i don't know how it was probably around like 99 2000 because i remember the californication era and wanting to go to that show but they were playing with snoop dogg and my mom was not letting that happen <laughs> when i was like nine years old you know what i mean like yeah I was not about to happen um which really sucks because that would have been a phenomenal show 90s late 90s snoop dog with californication era chili peppers you know but nasty but then a lot of people don't know that george clinton produced their the chili peppers second album and so and it's like all over that so i i fell in love with that album then found out about that you know george's influence so then de delved deep into all of that and that kind of sent me through through that whole thing but um but I also grew up in the church. I mean, we grew up Catholic and, and uh, my dad's Presbyterian. So kind of split time between those two, but, but have always been, you know, uh, God fearing as they say and the spiritual being and so forth and around the church. So then once I started to find gospel music and everything, it was just like, I was always open to that. And then the musical side of it as well was just like, oh man, this is just such a different level of, what music is, what music means, you know, what it, what it can mean, the facilitation of a worship experience, kind of like I was saying earlier. So, um, so fell in love with that. And I feel really grateful that, you know, I didn't start playing gospel as far as in a church. I started kind of dabbling and learning things, you know, in college and, and stuff like that late high school. But, um, you know, I, what year was that, that I, 2014, 13, was like my first like actual full-time church gig maybe I think 14 I'd subbed a little bit before then but um but I don't know just being able to uh to to be pulled into the gospel culture um 
welcomed you know what I mean luckily I was a good enough player that they were fine but like you know uh totally welcomed me and helped me learn and stuff it's gospel tradition is different like they'll just you will go in and then someone will just get up and start singing a song an old hymn and like you just gotta <laughs> just gotta fall in you know and usually the keys the md will know it and everything but that was a, a shock to me but um has been a great growing experience especially as a, someone in their early 20s at the time you know um really helped me as a musician with my my ear and and so forth um in addition to just a human being you know which is great so yeah it's funny it's funny those webs right like um you know when i started getting into to jam bands like i think the thing that was so cool about um you know i just remember going to string cheese shows and um you know like i remember one in particular where they play fucking let it go around in circles yeah and then i'd like go yeah and then i would go back um Keller was huge at that too. I was literally about to say Keller Williams, dude. Yeah. A bunch of those for me. And then you go back and you're like, okay, well, what is this? And then it's like, okay, well, so what the fuck are these guys listening to? And then Golden Years was one that Keller did that I was like, I thought it was a Keller song for a while. They're like, oh no, Golden Years? No, definitely not. Yes. Yeah. Keller was the, was the king of that. I have so many memories that I thought for sure were imagined um <laughs> yeah. where he we, plays we shit. About that <laughs> yeah I was like did he actually play that um, yeah, yeah and and I think that there is uh to me that was that was why that that era of uh of going to those shows was so important because it turned me on to so much shit it's like you know no offense to string cheese but you know you hear them play earth wind and fire uh, and then you go listen to earth wind and <laughs> yeah. fire and you're yeah. like oh okay yeah, yeah that's different yeah. um but <laughs> right but, but yeah, there was, there was so much of that through, through that scene. And then, you know, I became obsessed with um, kind of what you're saying of like, if I found a band that I like, it would be like, okay, well, who do they like? You know, like how mm-hmm. did the chili peppers become the fucking chili peppers? How did, um, right. you know, the black crows uh, so huge. I get to go see them this summer. I was going to say earlier when we were talking about people driving hours yeah. to see us, I, yeah, yeah the black crows uh you know i'm gonna drive six hours to see them turnpike troubadours maybe yeah. or is the only right. other band that i would drive more than an hour to go see Dude, but it, it's, holy it, shit it's funny too like i wonder how much um you know because i would I, at least me personally before i would not necessarily like be driving very much for music you know what i mean like I, I don't know. I think I, part of it was I was just like wrapped up in in gigging and constantly working and stuff like that. But um, but aside out of COVID, it's like now it's just like I want to do that shit. I mean, like we were talking about, it's you you've got plans to do it. I'm I'm probably gonna drive up to Asheville in a couple of weeks and see Dumpster Funk, <laughs> you know, or check some stuff out. Flew to Phoenix in January to see System of a Down, which was just like one of the greatest things ever you know but um i think people are just doing that you know what i mean it just means i don't know we all we all have just such renewed perspective you know that are like no i'm gonna definitely need to go and do a two-day run of myself (laughs) down and back you know what? yeah and i think and i think i think too we um you know especially for me as just a fan of of songwriters you know the the brent cobb robert earl keen thing in austin 
Yeah. Um, you know, when we looked up the tickets, once we got there, there was $65. And the thing that made me be like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, was I said, well, how much longer is Robert Earl Keen going to be doing this? You know, and he's one yeah. of my favorite songwriters of all time. And he made me cry twice at the show, but three yeah, weeks right. after we saw him in Austin, he announced one final tour and was like, these are my last 15 shows. And then I'm, uh, I'm, the rap, I'm cashing yeah. out. That's a wrap for me. So it's like, um, yeah, man. you never know. That you was, never know. Prince Prince dying was was like pivotal for me in that regard because that was that was the one show for me that I was like, I, at first I was always busy when he came when he came through, so I never got to see him. And then there was one that I was going to be able to see, and of course tickets were you know whatever at that point. It was like 150, which was still which was like a ton at insane. that point in time. You know what I, um and i was like ah no not not gonna do it this year died like right after that you know what i mean and just never saw him and it's just like okay yeah that's not gonna happen again <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? like any of these people that are that are pivotal to me that are that you know mean a lot and even people that that don't but that i just like you know what i mean or want to support and everything like that too it's like no i gotta go ahead and, and make sure i sacrifice or at least you know organize my time happily so that i can make that happen and support them yeah, I think it's important too. you know, I always, um, it was weird, you know, for years, I would go, yeah, you know, it'd be like, if, well, it's hard for you too. I mean, you're, you're a little bit more in the middle of nowhere, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, for, and, for I, a lot and, of and I think too, man, like going to a show, I kind of always associate it with work and being at work yeah, and, um, exactly. So I would always kind of talk myself out of it. It's like, well, the last place I want to be is in a fucking music venue. But we went and saw um, Mark Ford and um, the Dwayne Betts band, we, you know, which is the all the Allman Brothers kids. Oh, yeah. And um, to be honest, man, I went in with pretty low expectations. And uh, I was trying to get away from garbage trucks. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was really blown away with how. um how kind of profound it was for me to watch music as a fan and, and just soak up the show and just be like, Holy shit. Yeah. You know, like it's uh, it, it, it makes me always want to up my game. I'm always amazed at how much I take away from like, okay, well, what did I like about that show? What did I like about that front man? What didn't I like about him? Um, what could he have done better? Yeah, and then what could I do better? Yeah, just to be there and be present and enjoying as a musician and as an artist is like, first of all, tremendously difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we know the whole thing. It's like a, you know, whatever. It's like an engineer going to a, you know, crossing a bridge. You're like, oh yeah, what are those structural supports? What are you using? You know, same kind of thing. But but I, I've had the same experience recently as it was like the last five years, ten years. You know, it's like no, I've seen like. 600,000 shows because I've seen opening bands for years and I've seen all this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, okay. But then, well, I think it's easy for us to, to get into that and still can happen sometimes. It's like, no, like there's also a reason why we did this, you know what I mean? And choose to do it. And it's because of the power it has over us, not just that we're, we can be vessels of it. You know, it's like, yeah. no, this is still absolutely medicine and, and that's what so inspired powerful. us to do it in the first place. It's what yeah. made us want yeah. to do it as the shit experience. Like, Dude, I remember being blasted out of my fucking gourd on MDMA at a Keller Williams show. And I remember saying to my friend next to me, 
uh, Ryan Divis, I remember saying to him, like, that's it, dude. That's what I'm going to do. Like, decision made. There is no other option. Like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And, and same thing at, um, you know, Yonder was, a, was another huge band for me. Jeff Austin, the way he fucking manhandled a crowd was like, you know, if he told everyone to take their shirts off, everyone's doing it you know like I just I was so enthralled with the the way he could carry the vibe um you know and uh we went last summer you know the other weird thing about going to see shows is it always depends on the city obviously but you know I took uh I took Chloe to go see camp in Bozeman last summer and uh it kind of dawned on me going in like oh man I I wonder if if I'll get recognized while we're here and we go, we went about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. And then uh, my buddy comes up to me and was like, hey, man, here, hands me this joint. And it was like, right after I hit it and stomp it out, Chloe gets back from the bathroom. She's pointing out like, yo, there's a bunch of people over there staring at you. And then one person came up for a picture. And then it was like, floodgate broke. I spent the next hour like taking pictures and shooting the shit with people. But the cool thing was, was I said to Chloe, like, Hey, you want to get out of here? Like, I'm sure this is weird for you. She's like, no, it's fucking awesome. Like how cool, you know, like how right. cool that these people want to come get a picture with you. And you're just like, Oh yeah, I'm just here doing the same thing. You are I just came here to see these two bands, you know? Right. Right. Um, well, and it's, I think it's important. Um, I have conversations with people like, around around this city too and, and being involved in charlotte as we're you know because charlotte's music scene is kind of trying to continue to develop and build and stuff and it's it's important for every scene and for you know our, our local scenes or national scenes whatever for for musicians and artists to be out and be seen supporting others you know what i mean and yep. be vocal about it and get in our like ways of of even if it's not intentional competition it's sort of like oh we both do this and like you know maybe it needs to be really special for me to actually like, you know, go out and see it or whatever. But I think uh, I've been trying to, to do that more is just go out and just support, you know, generally, you know, local artists be not, not that me being seen, it shows any sort of big thing, but just like talking to people and, and yeah, whatever, you know, people recognize you were talking or be like, yeah, you know, seeing the support that like, no, it's not just fans and us, you know, it's like, no, we're all, this is all what we're doing. And it's, it's a, you know, it's an important thing for all of us and a medicine for all of us, um, which is cool because I think more and more people are doing that. I, in, at least in my circle or in my city and what I've spent a lot of time in, like 2019, that wasn't happening as much. You know what I mean? Like artists were getting very like, you know, splintered and 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 the, the I don't know what the term would be, but like kind of the toil of like the the brain being branded as music and as a musician and having to do all this stuff you know it just elicited a different sort of perspective and thought process in that way and now it's starting to be like no you know like yeah I, I have the confidence in doing my own thing but I also want to support and collaborate and be a part of the scene and I also see that me being involved with the scene and talking to people and engaging is also beneficial for what I'm doing you know it's like well yeah if you see me out and just being myself and being a human you're probably going to want to like at least take a listen and, and see what kind of art that person makes rather than them just looking at you and being like, Hey, I made this. Can you listen? Hey, Hey, Total. guess what I got coming out. So Total. it's cool to see that kind of, at least, at least where I'm at. What's your, what's your favorite show you've ever been to? Like just off the top. 
You can name you can name oh. more than one. Um, like uh, one of the most pivotal was like was Chili Peppers when we were in sophomore year of high school. That was like two thousand and five, I think. Partly why was we had gotten um, it was right after Stadium Arcadium was like the Stadium Arcadium tour, and we had gotten um, like fifth row tickets in Atlanta. I got like pre-sale, and so was able to get seats and. Uh, and we were just huge fans and everything. And they played a bunch of, you know, older songs that were favorites of us. It was my high school band at the time, bubonic funk, the four of us, me, Daniel, um, Dylan and Nick. And that there's a lot of funny stories from that show. I mean, it was like, first of all, like Daniel's, we couldn't drive yet. It was before any of us had had driver's licenses. And so Daniel's dad drove us down there and we had brought like typical kind of high school kid situation. We brought our like demo, you know what I mean? That we had at the time. We're like, oh, we're going to get it to the Chili Peppers, right? This fucking like arena show. Like there's no way you're going to do But we're bringing it. But then we, we go in and we leave the demo in the car, like by accident. We're like, oh, that sucks. Like too bad. Fast forward, we're in our seats. And then like we hear this voice behind us and we turn and it's Daniel's dad who's like snuck in well not snuck in i mean he talked to the the security people and was like oh my son's in there and he forgot his medicine like i really need to just go give it to him you can walk me down there it's totally cool like just walk me out and he like walked the demo cd down to us and like gives it to us we're what a champion we're like oh it's awesome fast forward to the end of the show and my buddy like takes the cd like this they literally play their last note they're like going off stage you're like thank you my buddy takes the cd like a tomahawk dude and just launches this thing like onto like on the stage we see there's like a spotlight on chad smith's head like as he's going out and the cd goes like right here right next to his head like through the spotlight obviously like see it directly you know just next to his face and we were all like oh my god that could have been so bad not only would we have gotten your demo but we would just like corner of the fucking cd to the forehead maybe and it it was sideways too so a little temple shot you know a few (laughs) stitches no big deal but uh but anyway that was that was definitely like very meaningful like biggest show i had been to at that point you know cried several times sort of situation john prashante is a huge influence of mine and uh Unlike the Don't Forget Me solo, John was like on the other side of the stage. That's where, uh, you know, his stage setup was. But on the Don't Forget Me solo, which I love that song and everything, he like came over to us and was right in front of us. It was just one of those moments and stuff. But um, but other than that, the D'Angelo and the Vanguard show, like a few years back, right after Black Messiah, that was one of the best shows of all time. I mean, absolutely. I think that's one of the best bands ever. Um, Derek Trucks, a couple ones here in the Golden Theater that was the song lines band era um that was also a, a very pivotal show because I, I mean that band and especially like elicited feelings like not many other bands can and, and could it's sad you know that boy taps that boy taps into some shit I don't know what he's doing or pulling from that- but like I love the I love the Dutchy Truck stuff too. I love everything that he's he's done. But like that particular era too was kind of his transition. Like transition to that, it was out of some of the more exploratory, like sort of jazz and fusiony things that he could sometimes get into. In addition to the the blues and the southern rock stuff, um, and he was kind of transitioning through some of those songs and the the 
you know, that, that Songlines era has, I think it's like 50% covers or maybe even more, you know, but a lot of those old school blues songs that are kind of his arrangements and stuff. And then Mike Matheson on vocals has got his own thing and, and, you know, rest in peace, Kofi. So everything he was doing on the flute and, and the organ and stuff, I mean, super, super crazy. So, um, so yeah. And then other than that, I think that that system of a down show this year was just that it was a reminder of like, just what, I hadn't been in an arena like metal general admission floor in uh well arena ever but then a general admission metal show in, in quite a while and just a reminder of like the energy and the community i mean we, we talked about it after that but like the community that exists in metal and hard rock is just so cool and so unique man i mean even uh, just an example it's like at the end of the show you know there's like whatever five seven eight thousand people on the on the floor and you know people are losing stuff and everything like that after people are just there like holding up phones glasses shoes purses and just everybody's kind of mingling and finding their stuff nobody's stealing anything it's just like yeah man, it's what it's about love it so anyway yeah that's the highlight reel i don't know if i've asked you what your your like i know your your main one but uh what some of the other ones like that oh, really kind man. of so many of them kind of dude i mean there was a there was a two three year period that just kind of seemed like one long show um (laughs) (laughs) um, you know i um i yeah a lot so many keller shows there were so many moments uh just at keller shows that were just affirming of like that's what i want to do that's that's it um musically um at, at Walker Russa, it would have been 2006. Uh Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones played. Um, and I had gotten the schedule mixed up. So we got to the main stage early and Robert Randolph was just starting. Um oh, and I yeah. and I had heard Robert Randolph sit in with other people, but I never seen him with his full five gospel singers, you know, the fucking oh. works. And um, you know, like you were saying uh, about gospel music you know, they're a church band, you know, that was, that was their thing. And, um, they were playing this just deep dancey gospel. that was just like mind blowing. And I remember just being like, Oh, like this is totally how you could convince someone that God is real. Like this is the vibe, you know? And then, um, out of nowhere, they went into this break, uh, and he went into voodoo child and it was just right. the most, and I mean, he was just right in front of me and to watch him play that on a fucking pedal steel, standing yeah. up, dancing as he was playing a pedal steel, it just fucking full mind explosion. Um, you know, another one that Dude, really, really stands out, there was a, a Yonder Mountain String Band show, which musical proficiency was never super high in that band. Like I go back and listen to it now as an adult and, um, Adam Azel is a really good guitar player. Um, no offense to anyone in that band, but just just as far as like bluegrass pickers go, there's fucking levels, dude. And they're at a level two as compared to where some of those older cats are. But um, they uh, they played this this Rolling Stones medley that I remember just fully had me. It started that 
I, I feel like what they were really good at was this vibe control, you know, and they would start a, st- a set with this slow build that was kind of like, okay, you know, in yeah. about 30 minutes, we'll get into it, but we're going to, we're going to take you on this very steady ride. And they did um, um, no expectations into loving cup. And I just remember being on this kind of ride of just like, whoa, like, eight minutes ago, we were all kind of just steadily rocking back and forth and like, okay, cool. The show's starting. And now everyone in here is throwing beer on each other and just raging, you know? Um, and, and just the power of, um, I think the reason that I like guys like Keller and yonder so much was I was always just very enthralled with, you know, like you're saying, you go to a fucking arena show with a full rock band. You're like, oh yeah, of course you're going to make everyone in here. Um, so it was always really amazing to me when four dudes with acoustic instruments could create that such a rocking vibe, you know, and, um, Yonder got in this weird phase where they were covering like death clock all the time and shit and like playing metal songs on bluegrass instruments. And, um, but yeah, man, some of those, some of those early 2000 Yonder shows just, pivotal and not even like wow blown away by the musicality blown away by the the way that people on stage can move energy you know and dictate dictate the vibe of a room right that's one thing that i think is is a cool perspective too as we continue to do it and continue to get better at it and everything else it's like that appreciation for others that continues to grow at least for myself i know for you and and you know many others it's just like oh yeah, you're good and stuff. And that's cool. You're like technically everything else and write good lyrics or whatever, but not just that you're like actually understanding the whole scope of, of what this, uh, what the superpower is. Curating, <laughs> you know? curating an experience, you know, I yeah. think should be the goal. You know, a modern guy, I, you know, Trevor, it, it, Trevor Hall is also one of those guys that I think is so amazing at that. The way that he can ebb and flow throughout a set and, and make people go from like wanting to lay on their back and have this spiritual experience to absolutely fucking, ah, it's so crazy. Um, yeah, and I think like you're saying, you know, I think that's why it's important that we go see music because we can all kind of, you know, like I've, I've been thinking a lot about fall, fall tour, you know, and that's really what I would like to curate is, is a sort of, you know, where the set kind of starts and there's like this build and, and, I think we've gotten really good at making kind of a continuous putting on a show, not just like playing songs. We're, we're, you know, Salt Lake on fall tour. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You know how I feel about Salt Lake, man. I do, sure. I do. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> What's so funny too, about like the fact that unanimously that was everybody's yeah. favorite show. I yeah. was on you know, Carl was going through all of that shit with that girl. Um, I had gotten seven hours of sleep in three days because of the, yeah. that the drive. Through. I don't think I've ever been that tired in my life playing a show. Yeah. And yeah. something just Dude, clicked just that totally, night. Yeah. I don't, you, you don't know why sometimes why it just happens, but it was, you know, that, that, I I think I'll remember that for a long time. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those shows where it was just like, oh no, like everything is like the atom has been fully 
every electron and proton and neutron and everything is like exactly where it needs to be and the tightness of the whole experience and the curation the energy put i mean it's cool and we we talked about that i mean i i consider um you know part of my role as in, in the live show you know i consider a big part of it and one thing i try to be very conscious of and in constantly doing is the dynamics and the flow and the energy movement you know what i mean is like because like we're talking about right now it's like that that is such a big part of the experience and it's it's fun to be good and it's fun to solo and it's fun to do all that like that's cool you know but it's like what really especially with us and and the way that it interjects with the lyrics and and the harmony and everything it's like it really needs that that um that flow and that dynamic as just a general respect for what the music can be, you know? Um, so I always take it very seriously trying to, trying to do that. And I think, I think something that happened towards the end of fall tour that, that really fully like locked spring tour, I felt like is you and Parker found like a unanimous voice. Yeah. Whereas like, I think Salt Lake may have been the, the like, the okay, we got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, where I th Definitely. where it's I think it's weird when you have two um um two guitar players of kind of figuring out like okay, well if you're playing that then I'll play this where I feel like there was like a feeling out process, but I feel like you two Parker and I were talking about it on the drive home after spring tour. I feel like you two have kind of become one unit now. Yeah. Yeah, and especially I think too uh like in spring tour then after that like and we all talked about it, the first two weeks felt a little disjointed you know what I mean it was a lot of stuff I know for you the not just musically but like especially the business side of the of the band and then your whole yeah. home buying process million other things that was you know very present in the in your mental process and a lot of us I think coming out of just winter in general right you're just kind of like reawakening getting into that flow and stuff so anyway those those first two weeks I think we kind of continued to go through that fleshing out process um especially we're talking about just me and parker specifically i think it was obviously already at a better place but then that last week um it was just like really felt like things were really falling in and, and flowing and then even to the last show um just kind of felt like okay yeah this is where we've been here we continue to be here but now it's like continuing to just kind of become one voice and one one level starting to know what each other is going to be doing starting to know each other's like you know mannerisms on the on the guitar or, or other instruments you know whatever parker's playing um to be able to play off each other and um and it's kind of a smaller thing and technical thing but just being able to dial it into the ears better you know yeah. too and dial it down so that like we i can actually feel and i know parker feels the same way as i talked about it is like in the actual mix we feel like we can interact more you know and that's yes. Um, so. yeah super crucial yeah, or to how that's going to continue to 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 form you know yeah i think fall i think fall is going to be pretty magic dude especially as we um we kind of flesh out these new songs i've been talking to vaughn about um rehearsing at soundwell since that's the first show of the tour of getting to sound oh, like a couple days early and re rehearsing there which is jono's home room that's where he works when he's not on the road with yeah. us so is he i was gonna say is he gonna be a, a, around around for fall yeah for fall I, yep. I just know he's got a lot of sorry i'm plugging in my phone it's about to die the um yeah i know he had mentioned that there was you know whatever um uh, 
tribal seeds of Jaws creation of the Earth, planet Earth, you know, of the tour or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much told him that I would uh, I would do violence upon anyone that tried to uh, to steal him from us. Nice. Um. Cool. Well, dude, before I let you go, one thing I like to do anytime I have a musician on. What were the three, three records that were completely game-changing and pivotal for you? And then your favorite three records right now. Okay, game-changing, definitely Electric Ladyland, spiritual experiences across like pretty much all decades of my life to that record. Um, oh man, this is kind of tough. I. I'd probably have to say Black Messiah too, um, as far as a more modern, you know, take on that question. It's definitely the newer, that's such a piece of art in so many ways, um, musically and lyrically, thematically, orally too. The sonics of that record is stupid. Um, and then, man. I mean, maybe clones of dr funkenstein it's kind of hard the a, like a, a a absolute p-funk record is maybe a little harder it's kind of for me it was like so many of just the p-funk i got so into it all at the same time i was listening through everything and so then there's just all these songs from the from different records from uncle jam from funk and Telecki, from mothership from the early stuff from osmium and all that too um but yeah, I, I guess I'll stick with those. It's hard. It's hard to leave Zeppelin out of that. Zeppelin two was like an absolute pivotal record as well. Um, you know, uh, even stuff like uh, obviously Blood Sugar Sex Magic, you know, and and Nevermind for Nirvana. It's funny. I don't always say that, but it's like I, I was thinking about it the other day because because Green Day came on uh, from from the Dookie record. And I was like, man, I forgot how much I like really loved that album in like middle school. You know what I mean? Like I think, early. I think I constantly understand how important Nirvana was for me too. Like yeah, it was, yeah. it was especially that record. Never mind was. So I good. mean, dude, the, the songs and the, I, it, oh yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and then on the, on a little aside too, you said three, I'm just going off now, but soul live, you know, a lot of the soul live stuff, live soul live records um, as a musician in particular, definitely impacted me um now i've been listening to dope thrown by electric wizard a lot i know yeah that, yeah yep post that um and and then yeah um kind of gone back into like the dub too of, of a lot lately and and um the the king tubby augustus pablo record Ooh. what is the name of I always just put it on. Um, uh, what is it's the name funny of that? when when Ben was on, we were talking about that of like, I think I think some it's the, the early stages of Ben and I falling in love with each other was was the like I mean it, when I meet anyone that knows who like Prince Buster and King Tubby are, I'm like okay cool well, we're probably <laughs> yeah. friends then you know like that yeah it's that that rockers uh, meets Uptown record or what I believe mm -hmm. it's called is yeah i've been listening to that more and we've talked about it too it's funny like in the gym like lately for me it has been like heavy heavy rock you know system of a down or wind hand or or electric wizard or whatever you know just heavy stuff in that regard or like you know 
King Tubby's scientist, you know, Max Romeo, some of the burning spear dubs, like things that I don't know. I don't think, I don't think maybe people inherently feel like, Oh yeah, I'm going to work out to this and get motivated or whatever, but it, it kind of hits me into a zone, you know, that's really, really nice. Yeah. My, um, my Spotify top, top five last year was so funny. Cause it was just so, um, indicative of like what I do with my time. It's like, or at least last year, you know, it was like, I was either at the gym right. or I was on the ranch. So it was like Nipsey hustle, 50 cent Nas, and then like Waylon. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Dude, I think it was like the same for me. Cause it was like three rock. It was like system and ASG. And I can't, it might've been between the buried to me. Cause I was listening to them a lot at towards the end of the, the year. And then it was like, uh, MF doom and, uh, what, what reggae max romeo i think it was max romeo or the congos but that congos record too i've been listening to that a lot that that one's dude a record super... that i just revisited that i forgot was input was as important to me as it was um very below the radar release ben harper did a double album release and it would have been 2006 or 7 called both sides of the gun and it was two discs one disc was this very beautiful, slow, acoustic, emotional, sad disc. Mm -hmm. And then the other yeah. disc was the, the yes, yes. And then <laughs> disc two was this super funky, nasty, political, like Rhodes, bass. Like, I I'll send it to you, but you got to listen to it today. It just. Nice. I forgot a how amazing the songwriting is, but just that band that he has is fucking yeah. nasty, and the whole thing is just funky Motown. Nice, yeah, like, so good. And 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 I think the reason it was so cool a musically amazing, but b um, to just kind of see the scope of like, oh well, I kind of have these like super emotional kind of like divorce songs, but then I also need to talk about the war in Iraq and I kind of had this motel. Yeah. Fuck it, let's just do both of them in one. Yeah. And, and, and that's, we've talked about as it relates to, to the, the music you're writing and, and how we're, you know, moving through things as sad song too, but it's, it's, we're humans, right? Like it's just, we're humans, this is life, this is growth. And like, you know, as much as, the, the music industry and the brand and everything is like, no, you're funk. You're going to do funk. And if you don't give me funk, then get out of yep. here. You know what I mean? It's like, no, actually first and most important why people are coming is because of, of the, the shared human experience and feeling that genuineness, you know? So that is priority number one. And um, I was, I've been having conversations with a lot of people with my, my roommate, Kurt, I, I've been, trying to talk to more people too because i know i'm i'm got more of my own music and stuff that's kind of coming and that i'm going to be putting out and whatnot and have been continuing to kind of like fight that that you know voice in the back of the head of like oh make sure people hear it like get it get it out there and everything and it's it's not you know it like we're saying it's just kind of life it's kind of what we have to do and just kind of complete it and put it out there and our responsibility as artists is just to be genuine to that to flesh it out you know and to release it and then if you know people will like it i mean some people won't whatever but more importantly like there is just a whole other industry and quote unquote algorithm that everybody likes to talk about and everything else that 
some things won't sit sit in it the right way you know and it's not on us for as artists to kind of um you know get frustrated because i just see so many people you know friend maybe friends i'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus but people that have released music and not been happy with how it's received and so but it's great art you know what i mean and it's great music and it's like man i understand your disappointment like i understand you wanting to be better but like you can't feel any sort of negative way about this because the 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 art and what you created and the the donation of of your soul here to 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 the earth in this oral way is not to be understated and not to be discounted just because it wasn't necessarily received in this like you know societally acceptable huge thousand then you never fucking know what's gonna happen dude it was four years four fucking years after we released the story of you that it Mm -hmm. went from like i am getting three five hundred streams a day to like seven eight ten thousand streams a day so it's like there's just you don't fucking know man you have no idea you know another story that i always point to in that regard i mean it's kind of a sad one but Nick Drake, you know, he was making these fucking records. Nobody gave a fuck about them. He got turned away by every label ever. Uh, You know, then he overdoses on drugs. 15 years later, uh, you know, Zach Braff puts a bunch of his songs in a movie. And, you know, if you go to Nick Drake's fucking Spotify page now, it's like millions and millions of monthly listeners. So it's like, you know, just because something... uh, you know, isn't happening on the timeline. And I learned that when we made uh, our album Culture, you know, I spent $37,000 of my own money to put that record out. And I was so proud of it. It was really, um, I thought it was so cool. You know, I had like, all I was listening to at that point in time was Motown music. I was fucking obsessed. Um, I was absolutely obsessed with Curtis Mayfield and Marvin Gaye. And I had a year and a half where that's all I was listening to. And so I I made this kind of political record, uh, you know, with this idea of like, oh yeah, this is just going to be a Motown record and nobody gave a fuck, you know, nobody (laughs) listened to it. And it's like, yeah, well, whatever, dude, I, it was important for me. And, you know, now I have this tangible thing when people are like, oh, you know, okay, well, you're super critical of Biden. Like, where were you when Trump got elected i was like actually motherfucker i made a concept album about it and it's called culture here it is you know <laughs> like yeah. you know we're just yeah. creating we're just creating time stamps you know where we will yeah. never forget as long as we live you know we won't you and i won't ever be able to put on all right now and not remember that week and not remember yeah. the state of the world the state of all of us um yeah we'll remember all of it you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's kind of where yeah. I'm at with, with creating and putting out music is that we're just making these timestamps that we, that we can go back to, yep, you know, exactly. and if, one, if one of those timestamps lands really well and makes us a bunch of money, then great. But if not, that's mm-hmm. good too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause it's, it's, I think too, and, and something that we taught, we touched on it earlier, but just, you know, when I was younger, I think I did get this need to like, oh no, I it's cool that people locally might feel some things or I might have good shows here or whatever, but I need to feel that and I need to have that impact on this on this national or international level and everything. And as I've gotten older, you know what I mean? It's like, not that I don't want to do that or want to enjoy doing that or, or you know. Well, we think are that now. That, think that that might be in the cards. Yeah, you know what I mean? On, on an even greater scale, but 
it's it's just the appreciation of being able to do it on a local level with people and even just random stuff like you know i do gigs i know other people won't won't do like i will go out and play at a brewery just because i'm a musician and i love it and everything like that and it's funny every time i do like i talk to a handful of people and educate them on some music that oh we might have covered this song and they thought it was cool and i was like oh check out this guy this is who wrote it or like oh no this is uh something we wrote and check out my buddy you know braxton that i wrote it with or whatever and it's this expansion of um of community and and knowledge as it relates to each other and and to music and and and, you know it's i I think that kind of thing is just um i'm just enjoying how that informs life you know more and more and how it makes life kind of worth worth living you know and connecting so it's a beautiful thing we do man in every regard and it's it's a super super huge blessing and I'm, i'm thankful to be able to to do it with you and continue to do it with you bro yeah grateful to have you with us dude well, um, yeah. yeah, I'll set. I want to set up a Zoom call with all of us to talk about Cali Roots sometime next week, dude. But uh, yeah. yeah, dude, I love you. Thank you for taking some time. And uh, yeah, dude, I'm sure I'll I'll talk to you soon. No doubt, brother. Love you too, man. Yeah, the uh, grow into uh, virtual insanity will be a nice little nice little clef. Yeah, fantastic. yeah. I think even if we just have it worked out by fall, I think that'd just be. I've been obsessed with that song again recently. Very very fitting for the times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad, not a bad songwriter. No, know. not at all. <laughs> all right, brother. I love you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. That was Mr. Stefan Kalander. Um, yeah. I have some other really cool guests lined up. Um, what's news? What's news here? Um, we announced a new tour for fall and we're releasing another record. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, by the time this podcast comes out, um, yeah, the pre-order will be live, so you can go pre-order the record, um, which is exciting. If you pre-order any of the pre-order packages, even just pre-ordering the album itself, uh, you get an immediate download of an unheard, unreleased song, which is pretty dope. Oh yeah, the next podcast is the dude that funded the album, um, or I guess loaned me the money. Uh, to do the album he's acting kind of as my record label for this song so I can stay independent um Mr. Jimmy Rex a entrepreneur real estate mogul charity doer um phenomenal fucking human being and we met under the greatest circumstance ever due to us drinking ayahuasca together god bless him and god bless grandmother ayahuasca anywho I'll talk to y'all next week uh, with Mr. Jimmy Rex. God bless y'all. Again, head to honor.com, use code SATSUNG, optimize yo shit. We'll talk to you next week.